Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, founders of the Finance Cafe, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick, every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them. With their combined experience in finance and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know financial management is more than numbers, but rather the combination of our lived experience, skills, attitudes, and behaviors, and how these come together to shape the financial decisions we make along our entrepreneurial journeys. It's about uncovering the story of our business, being empowered by our decisions, and unlocking our full potential as entrepreneurs. Here at the Finance Cafe, we're changing the way we talk about finance and empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light. One story and one number at a time. Well, hello everyone and welcome to our third episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have a conversation with Mona Minhas. I got to meet Mona through the CFC, which is the Canadian Film Center's fifth wave media lab, where we were both mentors in the first BIPOC cohort of the Accelerator, which also happens to be Canada's first feminist accelerator. One of the things I noticed about Mona in our circles was just how deeply passionate she is about supporting women entrepreneurs and helping them build the business and the life they want. And I think that's such an important point to note that it's about the connectivity and the interconnectedness between our personal selves and our business selves. The reality is for entrepreneurs, we know there's a deep interconnectedness between who we are as people and who we are in the business. And whoever said business isn't personal has never owned a small business. Today, we're going to dive deeper into this complex relationship and how our financial success of our business is ultimately shaped by who we are as an entrepreneur and who we are in our day-to-day lives. Mona, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Shannon. I'm really, really excited to be here and talk to you today. Well, and thank you so much for taking the time. I know that our guests are going to get so much uh, great insight and wisdom from you. So thank you. Mona, why don't I start by asking you just a little bit more about yourself. So tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're so excited to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. So I am a business consultant from Toronto, and I primarily work with founder-led high growth companies. Uh, So lots and lots of entrepreneurs. And I think for the last few years in particular, I have been really passionate and preoccupied around supporting equity in the funding landscape. So that's been something that I've really been working on. Um, I have a lot of experience supporting companies at any stage of growth, super early from ideation, and I've worked all the way to corporate with big enterprises. So I have a lot of experience on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, The space that I'm in right now is the one that excites me the most, I have to say. Well, and you do bring such a diverse perspective uh, from having the big corporate side of things to understanding what it really feels like to be a star startup company and helping entrepreneurs even move all the way through the mergers and acquisition process as well. So lots to learn from you. And I'm going to dive right into the first question. But Mona, from your perspective, why is it important for women to think about their personal goals and how why they matter to them and how these goals influence the financial decisions that we make in our businesses? Shannon, I think that is such a great question to start with. I think, first of all, it's paramount to ask yourself, why are you wanting to start a business in the first place? Is it the freedom of being your own boss and charting your own path? 
Is it the flexibility of work hours around, you know, when you choose to work? Is it latitude around building something as far as your dreams can take you? If it's because you think you'll work less or suddenly that you'll be a sudden success overnight, we both know it's probably a misnomer. It rarely happens. In fact, it's the opposite. So it's really important to take the time to consider where your personal ambitions fit in because it'll take a lot of your energy, commitment, and time. For some people, a lifestyle business is what they're really after. So if you were going into be all in in a tech startup, you're probably not to get that lifestyle that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So I think knowing what kind of entrepreneur you want to be is, is really important. I think the other really interesting thing I've certainly observed in businesses that are run by women is that almost always there's a values-driven component to them. So this can be anything from creating a product that makes people's lives better in some way or a company policy that ensures that employees are compensated fairly, for example, or taking Fridays off to be with their families or products that are made more sustainably. So when women think about the intersection of personal goals and business decisions, often this is how you're seeing it being reflected in day-to-day business. And sometimes it can cost the company to do things a certain way, um, but it's an important part of the values proposition that women are building and shaping, which then drives financial decisions. So all I'm saying is it's really possible to build a business that's centered around personal goals and values, especially when you're working from scratch. And I, I really want to pick up the point you made about, you know, if you aren't interested in tech or, you know, you may not want to jump into that space. I think that's such a great point, Shannon. When you're an entrepreneur, the lines between your personal life and business can become completely blurred. And we can talk more about that for sure. So the idea that you build something in a space that you care about and that excites you to talk about all the time is important because you'll be completely immersed in it. If health and wellness is a passion, that's going to come through. If fashion is important, something like that will also come through. Well, such a great point. And I think about all the women that we've worked with through the CFC uh, fifth wave, and it's really about social enterprise. And we're really seeing how women are showing up as their authentic selves and trying to create businesses. And it's almost like there's this purpose economy that is following women entrepreneurs. And I think it also is, is not only an opportunity, but sometimes that also acts as the Achilles heel uh, because investors don't always understand why women and bankers too don't always understand the types of businesses and the motivations that business uh, that women have when they go into business. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Shannon. We should probably have a whole other podcast discussion on that very point. But I think what you're saying there, which is great, is there's a really interesting intersection point growing between businesses that are impact-driven and in the for-profit space that are amazing growth propositions. And that you know sect of businesses is growing really quickly, for sure. Mona, one of the things that we talked about is how interconnected our business and our personal lives are. But I want to bring that to a financial perspective. So when it comes to our business and personal finances, how interconnected are they? Well, Shannon, I think as an entrepreneur, personal and business finances are almost always interlocked. So often, and, and you know this, you know, so inherently from, from working in the space you've worked in, you know, often we need to put personal savings into our business to start it. And that can be for initial hires, initial product, it could be for marketing, or if we don't put initial cash savings into it, we sometimes need to forego an income while we get things up and running. And we know that things ebb and flow while we're figuring the business out. And when that happens, we need to make sure we've planned personally to make that happen. So sometimes that means entrepreneurs need to consider other sources of income, like continuing to work at another job while they start. That's very common. We also need to consider the risk of putting sizable personal investments into the business. 
because while you have every hope of succeeding, you need to plan for that money to not come back to you for a very long time. It's just the nature of building a business from scratch. So I think that that's really important. You know, the other point I'll add is understanding your current habits and behaviors. Starting a business takes discipline when it comes to finances, invoicing mm -hmm. your clients and customers on time, paying bills on time, and, you know, really fun stuff like submitting sales tax installments. So if that's something you struggle with personally, ask yourself how that will change when you run a business, when it's equally, if not more important. And a, and a further important point, while some of the stuff might not feel organized in your personal life, if you're prepared to outsource it in your business, that's also a strategy that many entrepreneurs deploy. Just recognizing whether that is a weakness and figuring out how to solve for it is really key. I also like what you said about personal habits because I we talk about financial literacy and we talk about it being more than just numbers. And it's about our attitudes, our behaviors, our habits. And so I think you touched on something incredibly critical when we're thinking about our personal finances and how interconnected they are to the business. One thing we didn't talk about, Shannon, which I think is really important, it goes back to the first question you raised, which is why start a business and how does that interface with personal goals? I think long-term financial goals play a really big role here. Like if your dream is to retire early or have the freedom to work from a small village in Tuscany. You know, we both know it's really important to work backwards and figure out how much money you're going to need to make that happen. So how much income do you need to be generating from your business each month or year, or if you have investments in order to make that happen? That's a really important reality check. Often we don't really translate those daily actions into how it's going to play out in the longer term plan. Oh, another great point. And I love that because I often think, oh my gosh, I would love to retire somewhere warmer. But again, you have to, yeah, I think it yeah. sounds perfect. But you have to think about that magic number. And our previous guest, Tanya Woods Richardson, talked about that magic number and being able to work back. Because at the end of the day, if your business isn't providing the personal lifestyle that you're in, what's the incentive to stay the course? And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs lose the momentum for keeping or staying the course. That's really important. It's a long haul game. It's, it's not months, it can be years. So that's a really important piece to take into consideration for sure. Let's talk now about some of the financial mistakes, personal and business that entrepreneurs might make along their journey. Absolutely. I think mistakes are important and we make them and we learn from them. Sometimes they're detrimental. Sometimes they're small and we can move forward and fix them. But I think this is a really key topic to address. Um, you know, Shannon, I'm just going to give you an example of a company that I worked with in the advertising space, and they were seemingly really successful. They had dozens and dozens of clients, tons of transactions, generating about $5 million in revenue a year, lots of activity. Hmm. Amazing, right? Well, it turns out that for a few years, the company was actually incurring about $5 million in expenses to run the business. So basically, there was no profit at the end of the day. And so while it felt like a huge success story to be driving that kind of revenue, it's really important to pay attention to the bottom line, to understand how is it driving towards personal financial goals. Not paying attention to profitability is definitely a blind spot. And it seems to be a blind spot that uh, for women entrepreneurs seems a bit more prevalent. In my experience, we're often not always profit driven when we're thinking about our businesses. And so sometimes it's a, mind, a mindset shift to start thinking about that bottom line and making it a very important part of your business, you know, monitoring habits. 
Absolutely. And I have so much more I could say on that as well, because we both know how critical that monitoring is. I think another challenge I've seen is continuing to put more personal money into a company that isn't financially viable, because maybe there's a sense of obligation, you know, an obligation of not wanting to abandon an idea, or there may be potential employees that are involved. Or sometimes I see a sense of, you know, once I put a little more money in, I know I'm going to turn the corner. This is a really slippery slope. Startup businesses undergo a lot of ebb and flows. And it's hard to know when you're taking a calculated risk versus being potentially reckless. So I think this is where good advisement comes into play. The numbers will never lie to you. My advice is to have, you know, a small board of advisors, people you trust who will tell it like it is and who have perspective on the business and who will help hold a mirror up to you when it comes time to making hard decisions. I love, Mona, that you talk about a beer being held up to you. And this is for me where role models and mentorship is so important because we need to find those honest voices that are going to say, you know, is it time to pivot? Is it time maybe to stop? Uh, or is it is the opportunity still there? And, you know, we talk about professional advisors. We often think about accountants. We often think about bankers. We might think about our lawyers, but I also think women entrepreneurs themselves, like people who have been through the same process as you or in the same industry as you, they're also such a great sounding board. And I'd love to get your take on that as a mentor. Absolutely. I think having shared lived experiences um, and a relatability of having gone through this journey is important. You know, being an entrepreneur and a founder of a company can be a very lonely journey at times. You've got the burden of making really hard decisions. You've got the most skin in the game. You're taking the most risk. And so the idea of having a set of neutral outside voices who can kind of see the company from perspective, either having gone through the journey themselves or are going through it is really, really powerful and important to prevent you from potentially, you know, making some mistakes it will be hard to recover from. You know, Shannon, one thing I wanted to add earlier as I'm thinking about this as we're talking about, you know, pitfalls you know, especially around combining sort of the personal financial outlook with business is not setting up a personal contingency plan financially is something that, you know, potentially problematic. As we all know, we hear this, we should almost always have, you know, somewhere between a three to six month financial contingency plan right. to pay for living expenses, like our mortgage and groceries and gas and car. And I think, you know, we don't want to eat into that at the expense of starting a business or running a business, because it's very hard to take money out of a company company once you put it in and telling yourself that that nest egg you have is untouchable will really take the pressure off on hard days when the business side is tough. Maybe it's not performing, maybe it's going through a transition and it helps to know that you're not living too close to that financial edge. So I think that that is something that's really important, creating a little sense of security. Um, and the other point I want to touch on, because you've, you've said this so eloquently throughout this conversation, is, you know, how, how female-driven businesses think a little bit differently. I want to say it's really important as a female entrepreneur to know your worth. Don't undervalue your services and products. Shannon, you and I have talked about this, you know, oh, certainly before. And we know that women have the tendency to do this. Understand the market value for what you have to offer and go after it. I can think back to so many of our mentorship uh, circle conversations, and this is always such a, a big topic for us to dive into because so much of it comes back to how we, how our self-worth, 
and how we value ourselves. And there's so much to unpack just in that conversation. Great reminder to women entrepreneurs to be thinking about what do you need to make? What do you need to make to cover your personal, but also what do you need to make to help grow your business and really understanding what the business goals are as well. And we often think, you know, we've talked about business plans and how important are business plans. And Shauna would often say that a lot of entrepreneurs don't have a business plan, but this is where business planning is so important because if you don't know where you're going, it's like driving a car blindsided, blindfolded. Absolutely. And how do you measure your progress, right? You got to keep your ultimate financial goals in mind and figure out how you're doing. It's okay to maybe not meet monthly objectives for a month or two maybe three. But when that starts to turn into several months or even years, you really need to step back and ask yourself what needs to change in order to succeed. And that whole discussion or decision point can't happen without a proper plan. So let's give an example. Pretend, let's, let's say that I'm an entrepreneur who has started my own company. I'm going to go with retail just because it's sort of on the tip of my tongue. But now I'm starting to see my sales are declining. I'm not making a profit. I'm not even drawing an owner's uh, salary any longer. When do I cut bait? Mona, what would you say as an advisor to me? What should I be looking at? What are those red, you know, those red lights that say, don't go any further? What, what should I be thinking about? I mean, there's no sort of black and white answer to that question because it depends on a lot of different things. As you know, Shannon, I think first of all, how long has the business been in this situation? Has it been months and months? Has it been years? That's like a really important part of assessing whether viability exists. So I think that's one of the first things to keep in mind. I think the second thing to really understand is, is there course correction that's possible? For this business? Is there something inherently wrong in terms of the way the business is operating, the way the business is pricing itself, the cost structure for the business? Are there any inherent factors that could be fixed and addressed in order to pivot the business forward? And I think that involves a serious assessment as well. I think these are really, really big questions. I think the third thing, obviously, is, you know, why has the business been underperforming? Is it competitive pressures? Is there no longer a market for the product? Is there no longer a future? Those are really big picture things that I think a founder needs to think about and consider in terms of moving forward. It's not, not an easy decision to cut bait on something that you've ideated and built um, and want to succeed. And so I would say all of those considerations need to be taken into play before moving forward. You mentioned a word that has been tossed around many times in the last couple of years as we've navigated through the challenges of COVID and that word is pivot. And often for entrepreneurs, they are so tied to their business idea or the way that they think it should be. So when they're setting out their personal goals or the business goals, sometimes there's the blinders to um, that, that are there that are preventing you from seeing other opportunities. What would you say to entrepreneurs who are very structured in their goal setting? They know what they want personally. They know what they want from their business. What, would, what advice would you have for them around pivoting and being open to not always stay in the course to what you think your goals are? Um, I guess, Shannon, I would reflect on a phrase that, that stuck with me for a really long time. And that is in life, change is the only constant. Mm -hmm. I reflect on that a lot. And I think for some of us, cough, cough, type A folks <laughs> that are very um, plan driven and milestone driven, I think that's a really important backbone to anything. And that's critical. I think though, that there is a space in between that involves being malleable and paying attention to what your customers are saying, 
what the environment is saying, also your personal goals, your personal health, your personal wellness um, in terms of continuing and to really consider how you can change things. And it can be incrementally each and every day um, to move things forward in a way that makes sense for you. Well, our personal lives change and our business lives change and you are right, change is the only constant. And I think this is where it's really important to be mindful of what our personal goals are because our lives are going to change. Health is going to come in. We're going to lose people in our lives. We might have another baby. We might, there's a whole bunch of what ifs. And so always staying on top of your personal goals, but knowing that they're changing. So pay attention to what's happening in your personal life and how your business needs to be able to move with that. That's really, that's a really great point, Shannon. One sort of major life event I can certainly think about that's really important um, for a lot of people is, you know, sometimes folks want to say purchase real estate or a house, right? That's a pretty big life event and that'll require a mortgage. And one sort of pitfall that sometimes entrepreneurs don't pay attention to is being aware of their personal credit rating, right? As they're leveraging the business with personal finances and sometimes taking on more personal debt to finance a business, sometimes they're not necessarily thinking about those potential big life events. And all of a sudden they fall in love with a home they want to buy and they need to get a mortgage from the bank. And, um, you know, they have to navigate the complexities of credit ratings and things like that. So, you know, always being aware of, of personal credit and potential life events that may come and tying back to that idea we talked about earlier around contingency funds, you know, that'll provide a bit of a cushion or on, on a rainy day, if there's a big life event that happens. Well, and if you're one of those entrepreneurs that depends on a salary from your business an even bigger uh, red flag, I would say on that one. I, also, you just sort of triggered my, triggered my thoughts to think that one of the challenges too, with how we pay ourselves as entrepreneurs, I know for myself, I was taking dividends for a long time. I wasn't taking a salary. And also that had implications to things like mortgages or personal, personal lending as well. So again, where the business and the personal really have to be in sync and talk to your professionals, talk to your banker, if you want to make one of those big purchases, talk to your bookkeeper, or your accountant to say, can my business support this? Am I in a healthy place with the business that if I need to take money out of it, that I can. Um, and even also small things, like if you have a, a loan, but you might have actual covenants with your bank that restrict you from being able to pull money out as well be at a certain level in your company too. So there's so much to think about. Absolutely. Knowing all those parameters and doing a bit of planning doesn't have to be 10 years ahead, but even two to three years ahead will make all the difference. So you've given some tips here, but I think we learn most from our mistakes. At least that's the way that I am wired. I always say the good thing about me though, is that I never make the same mistake twice. Um, but let's talk about some of the financial mistakes that either personally and through the business that entrepreneurs might make. Yes, absolutely. Pitfalls are always things that happen and it's natural, normal that they would happen. So one of the things I think we talked about is um, the idea of taking the opportunity to step back and checking in on whether the business is actually fulfilling the personal financial goals that you set out for yourself. I want to say that sometimes it can be really scary to add up all the numbers and to like really dive into metrics and you know, look at bank balances and bank statements and credit cards, I would say get cozy with your bookkeeping system, right? QuickBooks can be like a super hot date on a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> this will give you great confidence as you go under the hood. And I think it's really hard for some folks to do this. And it's definitely 
mean oversight, I think it's it's really, really important. So I would say that that's one sort of pitfall. You know, the other thing among a lot of uh, other pitfalls we've talked about is things like risk mit mitigation, right? Considering whether your business needs to be insured in order to protect it. If it's incorporated, the risk is going to be limited to the corporation. However, you know, you might be a sole proprietor unincorporated and you need to consider whether insurance needs to come in play to help protect your personal assets. So we never think about insurance, unfortunately, sometimes until we need it. And that's often too late. So doing a little bit of planning ahead of time, I think on that front would be would be really important as well. I think, you know, the last kind of comment I'll end on when we talk about sort of pitfalls is building your business based on something you are actually excited about. It doesn't have to be an area of expertise or something you feel like you're really knowledgeable in. If you're excited enough about it, you're going to make it your mission to learn all about it. You know, you don't have to be good at everything, but you do need to learn about everything. You know, thinking about something that you're actually excited to be in and deciding what you want to outsource, I think is really important. Sometimes women are hesitant to start a business in an area because they think, oh my God, I know nothing about knitting baskets or whatever. And, um, you know, that's, that's not really the way to think about it. If it's something that excites you, you're going to make it your mission to learn about it. I couldn't agree more with that. And I'll go back again to my days working in banking. The entrepreneurs that had the passion could stay the course in the business so they could kind of go through those ebbs and flows as every business faces. But you are so right. When we're passionate about something, we want to know everything about it. It's no longer work to do it. And the entrepreneurs that were the most passionate absolutely were committed to the financial uh, management of the company and took time to learn it. And when I think about some of the mistakes that entrepreneurs make, it's the fact that they often will leave their financial performance for their accountant to tell them how they're performing or their banker to tell them how they're performing. And it is so vital for entrepreneurs. And part of the reason why we created the Finance Cafe was to start creating that awareness and giving more women the tools so that they can start seeing the story of their company through numbers. So I love it. Don't be scared of the numbers. Absolutely. But I will admit there was a time I was deeply scared of the numbers. And I, you know, the sometimes I think uh, you have to be a good math person to, to be a banker or to be a business owner. And yes, there's always numbers, but there's so much more to business than just being good at math. So if you're one of those people that are scared of math or you think business is all, you know, you have to be a mathematician, you don't. Well, Shannon, I'm a fractional CFO. I have a CPA, CA, and I'm going to say here for the record, it's not rocket science. <laughs> anyone can learn it and anyone can embrace it. And dare I say, it can even be really fun and interesting. Well, it is interesting. And this is what I've learned throughout my career. And even as, as running my own business, when you start to really look at the numbers, you see the interconnectedness and you should, it's like, it is like a story that's on a page. And the more you get comfortable with looking at the numbers, the more you're going to start to see, Hey, this is what's shaping this number. And Absolutely. if you need to change it, then this is what I need to do over here. So it's that cause and effect relationship. And I think like, I get really nerdy about this because it's like going deeper. It's like you're an investigator and these numbers that are ultimately going to paint a picture for you. And if I can put a final point on what you just said, Shannon, so eloquently is that the numbers always tell a story and what is it telling us? Uh, I could spend all day talking about the importance of financial literacy, but I do want to move on to say, okay, Mona, we know how important setting boundaries is in our personal lives, but we often don't think about setting clear boundaries between our 
our personal and our business lives, particularly when it comes to financing. So I want to ask you, you're a fractional CFO, you've mentored entrepreneurs across the country and beyond. Why is it so important that we set clear boundaries between our business and our personal finances? Oh, well, Shannon, this is extremely important for a whole bunch of reasons. I think, first of all, having separate accounts to manage personal and business is critical. You want to be able to accurately track your spending for the business. So using your business account for those kinds of expenses, all of that good stuff will help you balance all of your figures at the end of the day. I think this is like really practical, but getting a corporate credit card is a good idea in order to keep track of your business expenses. It's really easy to rack up business expenses on your personal credit card and then have to deal with reconciling all of it at some point, or sometimes, you know, it never happens. And I think we both know that can get messy fairly quickly. You know, I think another really, really important point here that's salient is about paying yourself out of the business. And when it's possible, you know, paying yourself a regular salary is a good habit. Sometimes, as you mentioned earlier, a dividend strategy might work better and that's fine as well. But I think the idea of being able to symbolically recognize yourself as a bona fide employee of the business is really important on a number of levels. So I think understanding what that salary looks like, that it's fluid and that can change, but it shouldn't change too often on a whim because it'll affect the personal side of the ledger. But thinking about that level of consistency can be very helpful. And then I think as we've talked about a lot already, tracking to a business budget, you know, in terms of allowing whether you are on or off track is really important in terms of segregating between your personal and business finances. I want to talk about credit cards because you just mentioned that credit cards are a great idea. And I couldn't agree with you more for our business. In fact, every business that I've started, okay, there's been two, <laughs> but in both businesses, it was really important for me and my partner to have a credit card because it was starting to also build the credit for the business. Uh, and yes, there are higher interest rates with credit cards, but they do help with those day-to-day -day expenses that quick, you know, you're not using your personal credit card or you're not using cash out of the business. You're getting some of that interest or that, that free grace period with uh, credit cards. So I do encourage entrepreneurs to think about credit cards and how you can use them because it is a nightmare to have to reconcile your personal. And a lot of people actually forget to do that. So they're not even paying themselves properly, uh, like paying themselves back appropriately. Absolutely. And I think Shannon, we both agree, given our backgrounds, that credit cards are not a great form of financing or credit for business. So that's not, you know, at all, you know, what I would recommend here, because obviously the interest rates are, you know, um, you know, very, very high. But they can be used as a matter of day-to-day -day convenience, having, you know, a, a month to, you know, pay those expenses off. And then clearly that point of segregation of business and personal, especially when things are in startup mode, can be very helpful. Well, thank you for clarifying that because I do think that, you know, it is an important conversation. And as you said, it's not the way to finance your business, but it is a great way to build credit in your business and also to help with those day-to-day -day expenses. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to say around the importance of clear boundaries between personal and finance, Mona? I think all this to say is that it is, um, you know, not a challenge that entrepreneurs navigate once and done. I think it's forever uh, when you're running your business, um, a bit of a tightrope walk until the business is up and running and very well established. And so just paying attention to that constantly 
and making decisions that don't compromise personal financial um, health uh, is really, really important. Mona, you're always so full of wisdom and I always appreciate the perspective that you bring to these conversations. <laughs> well, and yeah, and sort of off off of, off podcast timing, you know, you're, you're such a natural at what you do, Shannon, you make it really easy. So thank you. Well, thanks. And again, I've had the pleasure of being with you in some of the mentorship circles through the fifth wave. And I got to see the advice that you would give to women entrepreneurs. And that kind of advice is what I want you to be able to bring to our audience as well. So Mona, I'm going to ask you, what advice do you have for women who are starting up in their businesses? Yeah. So, you know, I want to sort of pick up on one of our earlier points where it's really important that you set boundaries financially, right? Carefully consider the value of investments you make personally or that you accept from family and friends. And I think if that starts to extend, step back and ask yourself what the return of those dollars will be. What will the immediate impact of those dollars be? And how are you going to grow the income on that investment. I think it's really important to think about it that way. I think I really, Shannon, want to emphasize the point we talked about a lot, which is building a budget and setting goals that are aligned with your financial aspirations. Be realistic and be conservative, especially at the beginning, and make the commitment to measuring how you're going to stay on track. I think that's really important. And I think finally, what I would say to bring this whole point home is check in with yourself by stepping away from the business every couple of months. Is this fulfilling your vision? The reason why you started? Are you jumping out of bed feeling excited about the notion of building this thing? I think tying it back to your personal purpose is really important. You know, I worked with a really inspirational founder who said that on the really tough days, one of the things that keeps her going is that she's tied herself to the bigger vision and mission of her company, which is mm -hmm. to serve customers and to serve this underrepresented market. And it's a hugely successful business, but attaching yourself to something bigger than just you will really help keep you going on those days when, uh, when the going gets tough. Wise words. And my experience too with working with entrepreneurs is, again, it goes back to that passion, being part of something bigger. And I love that you continue to bring us back to the importance of budgeting. The idea to step back from your business is great because you're having to ask yourself all the big questions again. I remember listening to one podcast and we were talking, the subject was on money, uh, money mindset. And in the conversation around money mindset, one of the experts said, like, take yourself on a money date. She said, it might sound ridiculous, but go take yourself out for dinner, grab a glass of wine and take a look at your personal financial situation. Take a look at your business financial situation and start really asking yourself, how is my relationship with my personal finances right now? How is my relationship with the business finances and what do I need to approve upon? What am I doing right? Where do I have my blind spots? And so when you talk about stepping back from the business, it just, it made me think about the words that I heard from someone else. That was the idea of this taking a money date uh, and taking that time for yourself to really spend time with yourself in a, an environment that you normally wouldn't do. I love that, Shannon. And I think it brings an element of something that is collegial, relaxing, and actually very friendly uh, to your own personal assessment versus it needing to be something on a to-do list that feels daunting and never gets done. You know, so I, I really love that concept. Money dates. Money dates. The other question I wanted to ask you is about role models and the important role that role models can play a financial role model. So for example, Merrill Lynch had a study that said over 40% of women don't have a financial role model. And I think this is where we start to see where the financial system is really letting women down because we haven't talked about money. Uh, 
maybe sometimes we feel that we're judged if we talk about money. But in business and personal, how important is it that we surround ourselves with, I don't know if it's financial role models is the right term, but people that we can have these conversations with about money? I think it's critically important. And I don't think we should be afraid to talk about it. You know, in some ways, I'm not sure if you've experienced this as well, Shannon, but money still feels like a taboo topic when we talk about business, you know, um, first we talk about sales and we talk about marketing, we talk about brand and product, but money somehow ends up taking a bit of a backseat in those conversations. And I think that we need to feel bold about talking about money first. And so part of it is normalizing that as a part of conversation. I think the idea of having mentorship in you know, the finance world or beyond successful women who have really grown businesses successfully, who can help guide and mentor um, is critically important because we're really growing this ecosystem and we're growing the number of women who are going to get financing for their companies and succeed in business. And so I think the notion of having like-minded women who can like bring a high level of literacy and confidence and advice around personal and business money management is, is going to be very powerful. Yeah. And Shauna often talks about many women entrepreneurs don't ever anticipate being entrepreneurs. We find ourselves as accidental entrepreneurs. And that actually happened to me. Shauna was very intentional in her business, but for me, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. And for many women who might be in that same position, you might not have gone through business school. You might not have taken an accounting course or a finance course or some of these marketing courses. You learn sort of as you go and entrepreneurship, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, you're learning <laughs> about everything, but money touches HR, money touches our marketing strategy. Money touches um, how we're going to grow our business and finance our business. Money is the one thing that we can't start, grow, or sustain our business without. And I really hope that we can start, as you say, normalizing the conversation, particularly if I from this is just my perspective, but particularly for women who are newer to entrepreneurship or who didn't expect to find themselves here, because there's a, a you know a feeling of I don't know what I'm doing, and so having the courage to ask and to seek out role models, and I always feel that women are super supportive and willing to share what they know. We just have to have sometimes the courage to ask. Absolutely, and it's a complicated thing because through as we know years and years of social norms that start in the education system that then begin in the workplace around how women are generally conditioned to finance, um, you know, we find ourselves in this situation where there definitely is, you know, a sense of it's taboo to kind of talk about it openly and confidently. And you couldn't be more right. You know, money is the backbone, fundamental backbone to every single business. And so it just needs to be something that is, you know, a part of the conversation. And I think as you're probably seeing in the ecosystem, Shannon, through lots and lots of like accelerators and mentorship and education that's starting to happen is becoming, and through the finance cafe, certainly, you know, one of the mandates is to really really create the sense of comfort and literacy. Mona, I want to talk about something and, and bring us back to something that you just said around um, how women are socialized. And I think this is a point that I want to be able to make because when we think about women with pricing, you mentioned earlier, we don't know how to price our value. Sometimes that is learned behavior from where we were in previous job experiences. 
And for example, we have a gender pay gap. And if you, if you are someone that is suffering from a gender pay gap reality, and you're not being paid fairly against uh, other counterparts in the organization, you might have that same hang up when you go to start your own company and start thinking about how to price yourself. This is an outcome of how we have socialized women to feel about their worth and their financial worth in business. You know, Shannon, that's a really, really critical point that you've made. You know, the, the previous point uh, around knowing your worth and not undervaluing services connects back to not undervaluing yourself, you know, when it comes to salary and salary gaps, potentially in a corporate environment as well. It's all part and parcel, I think, of the underlying issue around knowing our worth and starting to recognize that we need to close the gap. And one thing you said, Shannon, which I think was incredibly important, is starting to be really transparent about it. I know that these topics can feel taboo, but I think the more women who talk about, well, this is how much revenue my company generates, or, hey, this is what I was getting paid when I did that job. And the more we start talking about it and become aware, uh, and there's full transparency around it, I think the more that we're going to be able to do to help start closing that gap. Well, and the great part is, Mona, when we start closing that gap and our companies become more successful, we not only reach our personal goals, we reach our social goals, we reach our company goals, and everyone wins in that equation. Mona, you are always so thoughtful and full of great insights. And I want to just thank you so much for taking time with us today and to share what you know and to share your experience and to share that wisdom with us. So I thank you. Thank you so much, Shannon. As always, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for my conversation with Mona Minhas today. I hope you had some good takeaways around the importance of setting personal goals and business goals, seeing how interconnected our business and personal finances are, and what some of the common mistakes are that entrepreneurs make along the way. I enjoyed my time with you all. I enjoyed my time with Mona as always, and thank you. And we will see you in our next episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. Want to dig deeper? As a valued listener, we'd love to offer you an exclusive discount to our financial literacy program. Use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off. Visit thefinancecafe.ca to join or to take our free financial literacy quiz. We would be so grateful if you could show some love for your favorite financial podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you are listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. See you again next week on the Finance Cafe podcast.